Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. Today we're going to pick up our series called Church in the Wild. Today is part two. And um, uh, I'm going to talk today, I've I've entitled this uh, Wild Goose Chase. And the reason I entitled it The Wild Goose Chase is... Um, when it comes to living uh, church in the wild, is the old Celtic Christians, I don't know if you knew this or not, some history for you, but the old Celtic Christians called the Holy Spirit the wild goose. Now, that wasn't out of irreverence, it wasn't out of, of being um, uh, rude about the Holy Spirit, and it was, again, it was not out of irreverence, but the name hints at the mysterious ways of the Holy Spirit, or the mysterious nature of the Holy Spirit, and that the that the um, the Spirit of God is not predictable, and that a wild goose is similar in nature. You ever been to the park? And uh, I watched a video the other day. <laughs> this lady was trying to get in her car, and you know the goose was just chilling, like they're unpredictable. He was just kind of like, "What's up?" You know, I'm a goose, and she kind of walked by him in the parking lot, and all of a sudden, man, that goose was like, "What's up, lady?" Went after her, man. She threw her stuff down. She took off running. Her friend pulled up really quick because they were at the office, pulled up really quick to try to get her into the car. The goose got in the car with her. And I thought, you know, goose, they're they're real unpredictable. And And they seem like they own the road. Anybody else think they own the road? Like there's like 25 of them. They just kind of real slow. Like, and there's 50 of them, right? They're in formation as they cross the road. Uh, but it's similar in nature. The Holy Spirit has a has a way of being that not so predictable. And uh, if we're going to live successful as church in the wild, as being God call as God God's called ones, is we're going to have to live every day. I'm not talking about a grander way. The Holy Spirit, yes, He does miracles, signs, and wonders. Completely believe it. But listen to me this morning. What I'm talking about is learning how to live in the wild every day. Learning how to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit every every single day. And sometimes the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our life can seem pointless. They can seem like, was that God or was that me? You know, (laughs) was that God really want me to do that or was was that my flesh? And so... Um, but you can understand that this is the promptings of the Lord are somewhat, um, they can seem what, somewhat mysterious and sometimes somewhat pointless. But rest assured, when you follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life, that God is working his plan. I was talking to somebody um, um, yesterday or the day before, and they were telling me just about how, uh, it was yesterday, uh, just about how, like, that, that God had put in their life a strategic person at the right time when needed, right? Like, like it just doesn't seem like, okay, this isn't going to work out, but God puts a person in, in the place that you need him, and, and, and so he puts a person there, and then he'll connect another person to you, and another person to you, and another person to you, but it just seems like, man, when it, it feels like, man, should I, should, I, should I engage with this person? Like, sometimes in life that the Holy Spirit leads us in different ways, and so the goal is to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. He's not going to push you into his plan. Let me say it again. He's not going to push you into his plan. He's going to guide you. As you step towards what God has for your life, as you step forth into the wild, into, in, in, into the uh, culture, that you're going to encounter different things, different people, different situations, 
And the Holy Spirit is a spirit of love. And so he's going to direct you by love. He's going to guide you by love as you continue to move in the direction that God has for your life. He will take you places. Listen, I believe that he wants to take us. I believe he wants to take you places you never thought you would ever dream you could go. Come on, man. That's how big our God is, is that, that God has these huge plans for our life. And the thing about it is he will disrupt your plan. You ever had a plan and it get disrupted? Yeah, you ain't lived long enough there, boy. Uh, but listen, here's the thing, is, is like uh, God wants to disrupt our plans and we have all, all our uh, ducks in a row. I, all of you were looking at me like I was kind of strange holding my, I was just holding them until I got a table, right? And so I, I want you to know today that we, if you take the Holy Spirit out of the equation of your life, your life equals boring. Bottom line, the Holy Spirit is adventurous. He wants us to go places that we never thought we could go, but I wonder today if we haven't settled for something less than what God originally attended for us. That God has this plan, and the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into this plan. And, and I heard uh, uh, something called inverted Christianity, and here's what inverted Christianity means. It is, it is instead of following the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God, we invite, uh, uh, instead of finding the Holy Spirit, we invite the Holy Spirit to follow our plans. And instead of serving God's purposes, we ask him to serve our purposes. That's inverted Christianity. It's us inviting God into our plan that we've already created with all of our ducks in a row. And so we come up with a plan, and then we say, okay, Holy Spirit, we want you to bless it. God, we want you to bless our plan. But what if your plan is not God's plan? What if God wants to mess your row up? What if God wants to take a duck out of the equation and mess and disrupt your plans? What if God wants to do that in your life? What, what if God wants to make you, uh, uh, lead you in certain ways that will uh, take time to disrupt what you created? See, listen, here's the bottom line today is here's my big idea for today. It's this. It's the Spirit's guiding that makes life exciting. Everybody say that with me. Say, it's the Spirit's guiding Good, right, good. It's, it's the Spirit's guiding that makes life exciting. And so I want you to know today, no matter where you find yourself in this life, you are one decision away from a totally different life. And learning how to listen to the Holy Spirit, learning how to listen to God, listen to his plan for your life, allow him to disrupt your, 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 your uh, equally lined row of plans, allowing him to disrupt your plans will lead you into green pastures. He's going to lead you into abundance. He's going to lead you into his perfect plans. First uh, Corinthians 6, 19 puts it this way. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, but why do we think we do? See, we want to be Christ followers, but we want, to be, we want Christ to follow us. Instead of us following Christ, instead of us uh, following his plan, and listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden we find ourselves asking Christ to follow us. And to, and to, and to uh, we make the plan and he follows us. That's not what this says. He says you don't belong to yourself. And if you keep reading, it says you were bought with a price. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. But Paul's telling the Corinthians, hey boys, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? He's, he, he says temple right? And he uses this uh, word 
because in the Old Testament, there was a temple. There was a tabernacle is what they would call it. And so I want to show you a picture of what the tabernacle looked like in the Old Testament. And so go ahead and throw my picture up really quick. And so we're going to go from, from uh, right to left, okay? So here's what the tabernacle of old looked like. And I'll be brief with this, but I want to explain something to you. Everybody say, I have a body. Or, or say it like this. Say, I have a mind. I have a soul. I live in a body. I am a spirit. So here's your three parts, your body, soul, and spirit. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is three, yet he is one. And in the Old Testament, God gave us a picture called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was made up of three parts. There was the holy place on the right. Then the, you go through the veil, which is in the middle, which would be the first door. You go through that, and that's called the holy place. And then the third piece would be the holy of holies. So there's three sections, right? So there's an outside section, which is the, the altar of sacrifice is what they would call it. And they would bring the sacrifice of the lamb to the burnt, uh, to the burnt altar, and they would bring the sacrifice before the Lord in this first spot called uh, the altar uh, of burnt offerings. And they would bring that, they'd bring their best. They would cut the lamb from the, the bottom of the throat, and they would, they would cut all the way down to the middle, and then they would, they would, they would uh, sacrifice the lamb, in the outer court. So this is a picture of your body. Bible says we've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I that live, but Christ that lives in us. Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy except the one to God, which is your reasonable act of what? Reason, reasonable act of service. Because this is your spiritual act of worship is what he says. So at the very beginning, it's a presentation or a picture of the first part of your life, your body. Your body is to be trained and disciplined. Now the second piece is the laver. So they had blood on them. And before they could go into the holy place, the laver, they would go and they would wash. The, the Bible says that you've been washed by the re, uh, renewing of the, the word of God. It's a refreshing. You've been washed by the word of God. So they wash up and then they put on new garments. Because you can't go into the holy place with sin on your life. So the bottom line is, is so they, they, they experience truth. First is the way, then the truth. And they experience the truth. We experience the truth and God comes and he washes us and he delivers us and he sets us free. Then we move to the first door. When I say door, it was a real thin curtain. It was like a curtain that, that, that separated the outer court from the holy place. And the holy place would be considered, uh, there was three things in it, the altar of incense, the menorah, and the table of showbread. In there, this represents your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. So this is the second part of who you are. So there's a picture in the tabernacle that says, okay, the table of showbread represented God's word. And what the priest would do is he would come in and he would take a bite of all 12, they would have 12 loaves of bread. Come on, somebody. And uh, the priests weren't on keto. You know what I'm talking about. Somebody. So anyway, they put, the, they, put the, they put the 12 loaves out. And what they did is the 12 loaves represented the 12 tribes of Israel, but it also represented God's word. And it, the, the bread, the table of showbread is what they called it. And it was a place that would represent God's word. And then they took the menorah, which was the light, and they specifically turned the menorah so it would face the showbread. And so it would bring illumination to the showbread. So that's a picture of revelation of who God is. It's a picture of God's word coming alive in your life. And the thing that we must do, Bible says, 
be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a part of this, mind, soul, and spirit, or my, but, uh, mind, soul, and emotions. Your, your, your mind, soul, and emotions is right here. So the menorah, would, and then the, the altar of incense, before he would go into the third place, this was the place where he would worship. So your spirit, soul, and body, so you got body, soul, mind, will, and emotions, and he would go into this right before he'd go through the veil. This veil was thick veil, woven together. Nobody was going through it. And what they would do with the priest is the priest had long garments, put bells on them, and uh, they would tie a rope to the priest's leg because he would take the sacrifice before God in the, in the last place called the Holy of Holies where God lived. And God lived in this place called the Holy of Holies. It was the Ark of the Covenant. And God would come and he would visit his people one time a year. The priest would come and they would offer the sacrifice. And if the sacrifice was offered, again, before you're going in, the scripture tells us this, that we are to offer the sacrifice of praise. So before he goes in, he begins to, the altar of incense, the incense would fill the room of the holy place. And it represented worship. It represented reverence. He's getting ready to encounter God. And they put the rope on, and he would walk into the Holy of Holies, and there was these two cherubim on each side, and the fire and the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. And if, so they would listen on the outside. There would be people standing outside the door, outside of the holy place, and if they stopped hearing the ringing of the bells, it meant that the sacrifice was not accepted. The priest died in the presence of God. The reason they put a rope on him is because nobody could stand in the presence of God, so they just had to drag him out. True story. And so what happens, though, is this, is the last place is the Ark of the Covenant. It's where the presence of God was. It's called the Holy of Holies. Now, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, that don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That word temple is the word Holy of Holies. So you're made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Your body's on the outside, your mind, will, emotions, then you have a spirit, and your spirit's what becomes brand new. When you say yes to Christ, your spirit becomes brand new. I know I'm teaching a lot, but I need to get you somewhere. Uh, and so your spirit becomes brand new, your body is being worked on, come on. Your body's being worked on, and your mind, will, and emotions is being renewed by God's word. But he calls us that we are the tabernacle of the presence of God. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. And so if you look at the picture of the Old Testament into the New Testament, we now become that holy of holies. Think about that for just a minute. God chose, when Jesus died, the Bible says, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Why was it rent from top to God, bottom? Because God was no longer living in a box. God came out of the box when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, and he says this, I will be with you and I will be in you. How's he going to do that? Through the power and the presence of the third person of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit. And he's going to come and he's going to re regenerate you. He's going to make you a brand new person. He's going to live on the inside of you. Woo, that makes me fired up that God lives on the inside of me. Well, I mean, I guess the rest of you may need to come along with me then. Come along with me this morning. Take the journey. If you ain't fired about God, the creator of the universe, living on the inside of you, then you need a check. You need to go back to the laver and put your body on the altar of sacrifice. Amen. Don't do it. 
And so then it brings us to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 puts it this way. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, where's the Spirit of God? Here, on the inside of us when we come brand new. He said, are sons of God. And since we are his children, we will share his treasures. He says those that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That word son is not talking about male. It's me, it means mature. Those that are mature and are led by the Spirit of God, those that are led by the Spirit of God are mature. And they are the children of God, his treasure. He will share his treasures for all God gives to us, uh, uh, to his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to this, is now ours. Oh my goodness. For all God gives to his son, Jesus, is now ours too. But if we share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So this word led is the word guide. He says the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. He wants to guide you. And those that are able to be guided by the Holy Spirit are mature sons and daughters of God. That means you're growing. This word children means to be born into a family. He says this, he says that you are, you are led by the Spirit of God and you are mature and that since we are his children, his children. Everybody say, I'm his kid. And so his children, you were born into the family of God. How'd that? You said yes to Christ. You believe he died on the cross, rose from the dead. You believe he now sits at the right hand of the Father. You believe now that he loves you more than anything. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that Holy Spirit comes, you say yes to him, he comes, lives on the inside of you. Guess what's next? Suffering. He says, if you want the glory, you also must uh, experience suffering. The suffering piece is the persecution, the rejection. And so I've established the fact that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, that he wants to lead and guide you in every day life from every business decision, from every time you, you, you get on an airplane to every time you, you, you encounter somebody at the store, every time that you're at a restaurant, that the, that, that the Holy Spirit wants to lead and guide you, even concerning your plans and your purposes. So the question is, how does the wild goose lead us? How does he lead us? Number one is this. I will give you three ways he leads you. Number one, strong desires or passion. Strong desires and passions. Listen, the chase begins with being led by the Holy Spirit. When we come to terms with our greatest responsibility, and our greatest responsibility as Christ followers is pursuing the passions God has put in our hearts. And God leads us through our strong passions or desires. You know, there was a woman by the name of Mother Teresa. How many know she impacted the world? You know, and she, she was over in Calcutta, India, and she, you know, she was uh, uh, ministering to orphans, orphans, and she was starting orphanages, and she, she, I mean, she just changed the world. And she was in an interview one time, and uh, her, her, as she was in the interview, they asked her the question, how is it you were able to impact the world? Uh, here's the question. Let me make sure I get the question right. How did you, how do you impact the world was the question. And so keep in mind everything she's done, everything that she's impacted Mother Teresa. And here was her answer in this interview. She said her response was, in order to impact the world, you have to find your own Calcutta. In other words, Calcutta was the Holy Spirit that led her to Calcutta to begin this great work, to begin to set people free and to feed and to, and to help orphanages and orphans and raise up 
to be one of the most uh, influential people in the earth to make a difference. And the reason was, was because the Spirit of God had grabbed a hold of her heart for a place called Calcutta. So my question to you this morning, what is your Calcutta? Is it Springboro? Is it Centerville? Is it West Carrollton? Is it your home? Is it your family? What is your Calcutta? Because that's your strong desire. That's where the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating you, creating in you the longing. There it is. He leads us by this strong desire or this passion, creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Come on, somebody. So what's your Calcutta? What is it that you're like, Pastor, I'm not passionate about anything. Have you seen the world we're living in right now? That means you should really be seeking God. Seeing the world that we're living in, you should really say, God, what is your passion that you want to place on my heart? What is my Calcutta? Where is it that you are leading and guiding me? Every single day of my life. So strong desire number two is this, God thoughts. God thoughts are really simple. God's thought to call somebody. You've been driving down the road and a name come to your head? Call them. Call them on the phone. Maybe a God thought was to pray for somebody. Maybe you dropped everything you did and you prayed for somebody. God thoughts. Every day, you're doing the dishes. And all of a sudden, somebody's name comes to you. Pray for them. How many know you can pray when you're doing the dishes? Especially if your children don't wash off the excess burnt cheese on the edge of the, ta- of, the, of the plate. Come on, somebody. And you're like, in the name of Jesus, I love my children. And I pray for Johnny right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> here's the point. is God leads us through our thoughts. And see, here's the thing. God thoughts can feel like an interruption. You ever just had an interruption? You ever been interrupted? Suppose you're talking to somebody and somebody comes up and just kind of walks in the conversation. Hey, man, what's wrong with you? Well, that's what God thoughts are. It's like you have this plan and you have this, you, have this, you have this direction and all of a sudden, bang, there's a God thought that comes. Maybe it's a God thought to give money to bless somebody. Maybe today you don't want just to do your 10% at the restaurant. Maybe you'll listen a little bit harder and it's a single mom that needs you to do 25%. Come on, somebody. But you need to listen. You need to have those God thoughts. Listen, God thoughts, again, can feel like an interruption. Listen, let me give you, let me give you I think, the best advice I could ever give you. The devil will not give you a thought to help people. If you want to know if it's God or not, or if it's the devil, it's really simple. The devil hates people. His motive is to kill, steal, and destroy. God's is that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So how do you discern the difference between God's thoughts and the devil's thoughts? He doesn't want you to help people. He won't give you a thought to make somebody's life better. Think about that. So God thoughts that come to our mind, this is how the Holy Spirit leads us. I will say this for all you intellectuals, all you people that like to reason about life. It's tough for you to follow the Holy Spirit because it doesn't add up. You know, he messes with the ducks in your life, right? He moves one, and you're like, oh, my God, fire, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? Oh, my God, it's just one duck. Chill. Right? But the point is this, is that intellectual analysis usually results in spiritual paralysis. Intellectual analysis usually results in spiritual 
paralysis. I wonder how many people will live their life with a burden and a passion and a, and, a, and a thought that came that God gave them, but they never acted upon those thoughts or never acted upon those desires and go to the grave with all their ducks in a row and have achieved great things but never achieved the God thing that God had for their life because they were too, uh, too busy worrying about their ducks. Look at your neighbor and say, quack, quack. God thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Listen to that. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And finally, the inner voice is how he leads you. He leads you through the inner voice. John 14, 26. He will bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Listen, how are you led by the inner voice? This is probably uh, the last way that he's going to lead you, but I will say this. When it comes to being led by the, the inner voice of the Holy Spirit in your life, and I'm not talking about you know, ladders coming out of heaven and angels descending and ascending in your bedroom at night and him saying, this is what I want you to do. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an inner voice, just an intuition, just a knowing on the inside of you. And most of the time, the inner voice is God is speaking back to you what you've already sown in his word into your life. He will speak back to you what you've sown. So if you're not sowing God's word, don't complain if you're not hearing God's voice because God's voice is his word. So you must sow God's voice in order to hear God's voice. Come on, somebody. I got, that's way, I got too much to go through for that. But listen, he will lead you through the inner voice. And as you put God's word in, there'll be times, right, where I'm in a situation or I'm sitting in a meeting and all of a sudden, Scripture just goes, right there it is. You can do all things, Jason, through Christ who strengthens you. All of a sudden, that's the inner voice speaking back to me what I've sown on the inside of me. Or, or I'll, there's times where I've stepped off this podium and I've went out to my car. And the devil's like, that was the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And then I get into my car and all of a sudden that scripture, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, comes up out of my spirit. And I shut his mouth. It's that quick. Right? Because I've sown his voice, now I can hear his voice. And I need his voice in situations. So the only way, listen, you gotta love your Bible. If you wanna love God's voice and you wanna hear God's voice and you want him to direct you, you gotta love the Bible. It's his word. And when you fall in love with his word, he will lead and guide you. So I'm gonna give you three quick things on how do you position yourself to be used in the wild with the wild goose? How do you do it? Number one, you gotta pray. Listen, the more you pray, the more passionate you become. The more you pray, the more passionate you become. Listen, our, our convictions get stronger and our dreams grow bigger when we pray. When we seek God, when we pray, pray, listen, pray like it depends on God, but work like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God, but, but, or pray like it depends on God, but work like it depends on you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek. Seek. Everybody say, Seek. That's not, oh, I prayed this week over my food. Amen, my bacon's blessed. <laughs> Thank God for blessed bacon, amen. But there's more to it. He says seek. The seeking is something like if you lost your keys. How many's ever lost your keys before? How many know you've been seeking when you lose your keys? My wife loses her keys all the time. We do a lot of seeking at the Norman house. She'd be like, where's my keys? I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, here we go. We're going to seek again. We're looking everywhere. We're underneath the couch. We're looking everywhere. Oh, they're in your hand, honey. <laughs> okay. Bless you. <laughs> I just, I, I love you. <laughs> he says, seek his will. It's, in other words, it's, you don't care. When something's lost, have you ever lost a kid? You ever had a kid in, in the store that you've lost, right? 
<laughs> kids that have been lost are taught. Yeah, my parents lose me all the time, dang it. <laughs> and so it's a seeking, right? If you lose a kid, you're going to go seeking, right? You're going to move everything out of the way. You're going to start calling on, on the uh, Walmart. Hello, uh, this is somebody's parents looking for you. And so it's going to be like there's this, there's this intensity because there's something lost. Why don't we seek? He says, seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you. So in seeking comes the showing in you in which path to take. So if we want to be led by the Spirit of God in the wild, and we want to be led by the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us, we must pray. And number two, we must listen. Listen, you can't have all your ducks in a row and be led by the Holy Spirit. Bottom line, here you are. you got all your little ducks in a row, and this is your life. you got my plan this, here I am, you got to get in the back, and you got all your ducks in a row, and all of a sudden, God comes into your life, and he speaks something to you. Now all your ducks are messed up. Now, instead of following God like this, you're following God like this. Why? Because now you're being led by the Holy Spirit. And what if your duck, what if your duck was all messed up and your duck, somebody catch a duck for me, catch a duck, front row ducks, front, catch a row, no, you'll throw it back, I know you. No. Get the ducks. Who else wants a duck? Here's a duck. Listen, everybody hold your duck up. Hold it up high, everybody that I gave a duck to. What if that looked like God's plan for your life? Right? What if it was so messy? There's no order to these duckies. There's no order to them. Right? Where's the first duck I'm supposed to start with? Nobody knows. Right? I randomly threw them out. Right? Where's the last duck? Wait, keep your hands up. Come on. You guys need to go do tricep workouts? What's going on? Keep your duck, or keep your duck in the air. <laughs> As you keep your duck in the air, listen, there's no, there's no plan. There's no, there's, no, there's no way of navigating how God wants to do it. And if you keep trying to put all your ducks in a row, you'll never be led by the Holy Spirit. Braxton, tell me your duck. So what happens when God begins to mess up your row? Tell me your duck. <laughs> Did this just happen? Thank you. Keep, tell me your duck, honey. Debbie, tell me your duck. Oh. What if you're the, the listening of God, when the word of God comes in, who else has a duck? have a duck? Everybody else. What if the listening of God's word made your duck row look nothing like what you planned? What if all your ducks are in a row and you're at a restaurant and you're there with your family and you're enjoying your lunch? It's our time. This is our family time. And the Holy Spirit says something to you about the waitress. And he moves one of your ducks. What do you do? Here's what I want you to understand. Most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, when God speaks to you and he moves your ducks, the reason he's doing it is because it has nothing to do with you. 
So if we, if we don't start listening, if we don't start paying attention to the Holy Spirit, this is how living with God, I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about being supernaturally normal. Learning how to live with the Holy Spirit in the wild. And when he, and when he speaks to you, you listen. Listen to what he says in John 14, 26. And I want you to understand this. Is that, are you going to argue with God? Are you going to, when God speaks to you and you listen, are you going to argue with him about this being out of order? God did not create your life for just order. You think Noah had order? I mean, this dude was just minding his own stinking business. And all of a sudden, God comes to him and says, build a boat. What's a boat? And then he says, it's going to rain. What's rain? See, Noah's just living his life with his sons and his family, and he's enjoying it. And all of a sudden, God knows something's coming. And in order to preserve humanity, he's going to have to build a boat. And it's going to take Noah to build the boat. But Noah doesn't know what a boat is. You know, he didn't buy a boat at Walmart with instructions, Ikea. You get the instructions with a stupid little, stupid little tool. In 15 hours, to put three shelves together. No, it wasn't like that. Yeah, he gave him instructions, but he's like, build it out of gopher wood. What's gopher wood? Where am I going to get gopher wood? So he starts telling him all this stuff he must do. What was he doing? He was disrupting his plan because he had a plan that if he knew he could get Noah to buy into his plan, that he could save humanity. Come on, somebody. What, you want me... I'm up here in glory right now with God, my father. He's having a conversation with his son. And there he is, God's, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they're in heaven right now. And father looks at his son and he says, son, I want you to go be the sacrifice for humanity. Say, what? I'm up here in glory land. I'm up here in heaven. There's angels. You're here. You're my father. You're here. And you want me to go to the earth, be born of a virgin, come out as a baby, grow as a man, and die? The most ridiculous, death-filled, pain-filled death that you can experience? That's what you want me to do? to leave all of this and humble myself to become a servant? You want me to go into the garden of Gethsemane at the moment of my most desperate weight-filled understanding what the purposes of God is in my life and all of a sudden you want me to make a decision die for humanity God the father spoke to the son the son listened he came to the earth born of a virgin died on the cross at 33 years of age beaten beyond a recognition three nails two in his hands and one in his feet 
ripped to shreds to where you couldn't even understand or look and see and understand if he was a man or understand or see that he was a man. But he listened. He healed blind eyes. He healed the leopard. He loved the unlovable. He brought, he, he, he pulled people out of their mess. He didn't condemn them down into their mess. He didn't place judgment on them. No, but see, he was listening to his father. See, he loved a, a people that were unlovable because he listened to his father that was filled with love. Some of you are so hateful, you're listening to the wrong spirit. God is not hateful. God is not rude. First Corinthians says God is love. So when the God, Jesus, comes, he dies on the cross in the ultimate act of sacrifice. He gives his life. Why? Because he was listening to his Father. And then finally is this. If we're going to position ourselves to be used in the wild, we have to step out. We have to step out. We must pray and we must listen. I want to encourage you that it must be pray listen and step out it can't just be pray prayer needs action action is your decision around your prayer life he says to step out see when we listen when we lack the guts to step out in faith we rob god of the glory that he so deserves romans chapter 10 verse 13 and 15 says this and i'll close everyone who calls on the name of the lord will experience new life but how can people call on him to, to, for help if they've not yet believed? And how can they believe in one they've not heard of? Listen to these terminologies. How can they believe on somebody that they've never heard? How, how, can they, how can they experience new life? How can they believe in the one they've not heard of? How can they hear the message of life if there's no one there to proclaim it? How can the message be proclaimed if the messengers have yet to be sent? The messengers have been sent. Mark 16 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So if they're going to believe, it's going to be believed because the church in the wild listens to the Holy Spirit and knows that they are sent in every circumstance, whether it's at the restaurant, whether, whether it's at Kroger, whether it's at, at school, whether it's at college, whether it's at the workplace, whether it's around the kitchen table, that everywhere you go, you understand that they will not believe unless they hear. And they can't hear without a messenger. So stop getting your ducks in a row so at the end of your life, your eulogy can read how successful you were. But it doesn't attach to anybody's life being changed. The only way people's lives are going to be changed is if the church gets out of its rows and starts to listen and step out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you want to do something new, you have to do something different. If you want to do something new, you have to do something different. The Spirit of God will never lead you to do something outside of His good, pleasing, perfect will, but I want you to understand something. He will call you to do something that's daring. Acts 1, 8, 7, and 8 says you don't, get, you, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when you get the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world, Helen Keller put it this way, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. 
So we must step out and finally we have to learn. We have to learn. Proverbs 24, 16 says, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again. Listen, when you step out, you might miss it. You're like, man, I wanna make a decision today to wear my robes are all messed up. I don't no longer want my rose to look like this. I want my rose to be led by the Holy Spirit, and I want my ducks to be completely different. I no longer want to live in this straight line. This is my plan. This is what I think I should do. Then I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit, and he's going to connect me here, 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 and this person's going to be saved, and this person's going to be set free because I'm being sent. I'm stepping out, and I'm learning, and if I mess up and I miss it, then okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to fall down a trip up on this road, but at the end of the day, I'm going to get up. I'm going to learn from those moments. And I believe at the end of the day, people's lives will be changed. God loves you. He has such an amazing plan for your life. But listen, the wild goose wants to lead you into the, into the wild of the world. But at the end of the day, the reason he's leading there has nothing to do with you. It's not so you can become more of a hotshot. It's so that you can be like Jesus and become more of a servant. And he can lead you into places where you will experience the Holy Spirit in a brand new way and he will transform your life. So today, if you're in this place, just close your eyes, everybody across the room. If you're in this place, man, you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't need anything else, but I just need Jesus. I need Jesus to come into my heart I need him to change me, deliver me, and set me free. I no longer want to live with this row mentality, all my ducks in a row. Today's a day, and I want you to know it's going to feel like an interruption in your life today. But I want you to know God's interruption to save you is the best interruption you can ever experience in your entire life is when God begins to interrupt your life and begins to say to you, I love you, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what you've experienced, I love you, I wanna set you free, I wanna transform you by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, and I pray today that if you're in this room or you're watching online today and you say, that's me, Pastor, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, I wanna come home, I wanna recognize that he's real, I feel his presence today, and I know it's very different than what I felt maybe even years ago, that something today is different and God today wants to set you free. If you're in this place, we'd be so bold just to raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. You say, Pastor, that's me. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Anybody in this room say, I would want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Maybe in this place you say, Pastor, I've had all my ducks in a row. All my ducks in a row. And today, I'm going to learn to listen to the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, will you slip up your hand and you say, that's me, Pastor. I want, to, I want to get out of the row mentality. And I want to listen to the presence of God. And I want to be led by the Spirit of God in the wild. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you today. If you're bold enough to pray in this direction. Yeah. I mean, it's a real simple, simple direction. But before we do, I want everybody to pray with me and pray this out loud today. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to raise from the dead for me. I ask you to come in my heart. I ask you to make me a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. Today, I ask you to heal me. I ask you to transform me. 
I ask you to make me a brand new person. In the name of Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And I thank you today that I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap today. So let me pray for you that raised your hand about getting out of the, the row mentality. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that, that are going to listen, they're going to step out, it's going to position themselves to hear what you say. May we be a church that's led by your Holy Spirit, that we're mature sons of God, sons and daughters of God, that when we go forth into the world today, for this week and the weeks to come, God, let us be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, whether it's to pray, whether it's to call, whether it's to give, whether it's to bless. God, today we thank you in Jesus' name that you awaken your church and you bring your church full circle back to the presence of God, full circle back to the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit. That God, we can't do this on our own. We can't save a world that's filled with deception on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Acts 1-8 experience that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that we'll be witnesses for you. So today, Lord, we praise you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord one more big hand clap today, everybody. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.